many of us ever know what it is to become the perfect version of ourselves? This is Decoding Superhuman with your host, Boomer Anderson. Superhumans, it's Boomer Anderson, and we're back with Pamela Gold today to talk about the future of fitness. Pamela is the founder of Hacked Fitness, which is New York City's first biohacking fitness studio. I had the pleasure of meeting Pam through Bob Troya. Thank you, Bob, for the introduction. And we hit it off right away. We decided to record this episode, and I got to tell you, it was a lot of fun for me. We talked about the future of fitness, both in terms of equipment, but also recovery. We got into the ARX, the Panoe, the Nanovi, and so many other gadgets. But what I liked about this episode was the turn it took at the end. So stick that one out. The show notes for this one are at decodingsuperhuman.com slash Pam. Enjoy my episode with Pamela Gold. All right, Pam, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Boomer. So before this, we were chatting a little bit. And first, shout out to Bob Troya for introducing us. But uh, you were the point person on an IPO at a pretty young age. Tender age of 24. (laughs) 24. Can you go through what that experience was like? Sure. So it was my first job out of school. I was at Yale and I was a waitress because one of the jokes when I was at Yale was, like you work here too. I had like 10 different jobs to to pay the bills and have money. Mm-hmm. But I waitressed at this um, pizza joint, coffee joint called Zando. And I had taken a job actually right out of school doing PR in Boulder, Colorado, because I had no idea what I was doing. But if I was in Boulder, I'd be happy. And then at the last second, the CEO and the head of HR actually reached out to me because they needed to fill this position as the right hand of the CEO. So it, it started so organically. I literally was just the CEO, chairman CEO's right hand, you know, doing his travel, right? That's <laughs> so how it yeah. started. And um, he was awesome. He was really young. I was 22 or 21 at the time when I first graduated college. And he was 10 years older. So he was really young. He was like 31. And he let me take the ball and run with it from the first moment I worked with him. And so by the time Cozy, which we combined, we acquired Cozy and um, we, you know, started when I, when I started, there was 17 locations. And then through the years, we eventually grew to over a hundred. But by the time we got to the IPO, I had kind of solidified myself as this indispensable part of the team. So even though I was 23 and 24, I was the one that was doing a lot of the due diligence, that was quarterbacking a lot of the relationships. I ended up becoming director of investor relations. And then on the IPO itself, I was kind of the linchpin between the lawyers and between the investment bankers and the analysts and you know the whole the whole kind of thing. I was the one kind of carrying a lot of the uh, a lot of the weight and knowledge. Not that everyone wasn't pitching in because it was a Herculean effort. But mm-hmm. at a young age, I was the one kind of wearing the hat. And so when we did the roadshow, we went to, I think, 15 different cities and uh, less days than that, Europe and the United States. And it was an amazing learning experience. I mean, we raised a lot of private equity before that. But that mm-hmm. that experience itself was very intense, very stressful. Like there were moments when we didn't think it was going to happen. <laughs> it was like, But it was an amazing learning experience right out of school, that's for sure. It sounds incredible. And as somebody who was on the other side of that table before as an investment banker, 
uh, I know just how valuable a person like you and a company can be just in terms of getting things done. So I- I'm sure you enjoyed that experience. Yeah, I think I think part of it too, I was so authentically enamored with the company because I had mm-hmm. waitressed when I was in college there. One of the projects I did over the years was a marketing um in a project where I was on the ground in the stores with cards, asking people to fill out, you know, all the different day parts, like, what are they like? What are they doing? And, and so I just, I've loved the company so much. And so when we were in those meetings, I could speak really authentically to the customer experience and what it was that made the brand and the company so special and so authentic. And so even though it was kind of strange, I remember the iBankers, the analysts, I think got it, but the iBankers were like, why is Pam going on the roadshow? Cause it was literally the CEO, the CFO, and then me, like this little blonde mm-hmm. girl. And the iBankers were like, why is she going? And my boss was like, well, she has all the information, first of all, so she can answer the questions. And that was key. But I definitely always had the same spirit around, you know, just just authentic passion around a business. And mm-hmm. it's, it's real and you can feel it. And it's a really great sales tool. It's not really selling because I'm like, no, we have this opportunity. It's not selling. It's just real. Mm-hmm. So let's go into some of that authentic passion today, because it sounds like you had an experience very young or at a very young age where you experienced quite the time constraint, right? Like I'm guessing going through an IPO, you don't have, you don't have a, a lot of time. You've written a book. You've, you've now got this business that you're running and I heard a rumor, and it may have started with you, uh, but <laughs> that you only work out 42 minutes a week. Is that correct? On average, and sometimes less than that. But yeah, it's... And actually, you don't even need to work out that much because I really do love to work out. I love being mm-hmm. intensely active. You know, there's uh, one of my mentors, a guy named Lorenzo Delano, likes to talk about the difference or the distinguishment between workout, like an exercise, and then activity. And being active, I definitely am active all day long. Mm -hmm. I'm a mom, I'm high energy, so it's hard for me to sit still in general. So I'm active. But in terms of a workout, like real focused exercise, yeah, it's it really can be 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes the entire week. It's all we need. Wow. Okay. We need to go into a little bit of this and sort of why it works, but do you mind just walking us through sort of what 40 minutes consists of? Sure. So usually it consists of one or two sessions a week on the strength training machines that we have at Hacked, which are the ARX, which is the computer um, computerized adaptive resistance exercise machines, which I'm not sure if you got to use when you visited. Um, What that experience is is totally what we make it because we're Mm -hmm. in control each moment of how hard we work. And as I think you can tell, I'm a pretty hard worker. I can go pretty hard and pretty intense. So Mm -hmm. when I use those machines, I am doing um, an absolute, you know, max exertion workout. So Mm -hmm. on average, I'm spending less than 18 minutes a week on those machines working and those 18 minutes are probably the closest thing to childbirth. I have two babies without drugs, so I can speak <laughs> to what childbirth is like. Um, because I make it as hard as as I can, and it's safe. And so mm-hmm. you have this trifecta of being really safe, really effective, and really efficient all in one beautiful package. Mm-hmm. I've had the pleasure of using the ARX multiple times, both the older version and the newer one. Mm. But... 
what it was okay so we have 18 minutes there yep uh, on strength training what are some of the other cool gadgets that you have there and that you use every week sure so the only other thing i really consider my workout is the carol bike so mm-hmm. that is um, that artificially intelligent high intensity interval bike that assesses your fitness so the first six times you ride it you're getting this assessment And then after that, it has enough information to kind of put all of your data into an advanced algorithm, which then spits out the perfect resistance to max you out, get you to glycogen depletion in two 20-second sprints. And so the other 22 minutes or so, or 24 minutes or whatever it is that I do when I work out is on those bikes. And when I'm doing that, really only two 20-second sprints each time is, is work. The rest of the time is kind of a mindful walk through the park, breathing. I may or may not be on my phone checking my email. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. So <clears throat> conventional wisdom, it, this is one of the things that I've wanted to dispel for a while. Yes. Conventional wisdom tells us that you know 20 minutes steady state cardio is how we get our aerobic exercise. Do you mind just talking a little bit about why that may not be the case? Well, it's funny because I remember being told that when I was in college. mm -hmm. I remember going to the gym and my sweet girlfriend, Sanam, saying, we have to work out for at least 20 minutes on the treadmill in order to burn fat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was when you were, you know, a 17-year-old, 18-year-old girl is all about. I think all all of the lifetime machines still say that. I think still say that. 20 minutes, 20 minutes. And, you know, I don't know where the hell that came from, to be honest. Because- when you asked me that, I was like, oh yeah, I remember hearing that. And I was like, is there any research that supports that? Like now that we, we have luckily science, right? I love science. Mm-hmm. And actually yesterday, Bob and I were playing with the Pinoe. Have you used the oh, Pinoe I love, yet? I love it, but do you mind describing it for people? Sure. Listening? So the Pinoe is this really futuristic looking mask that you wear that basically just gives you a, a really clean, easy, digitized um, VO2 max and, and other kind of analysis of you know whether you're burning fat, whether you're burning carbs, how much you're burning each moment. You can see the whole graph. You can see where you switch from burning fat to burning carbs. It's super cool. Like I'm a total, I was a biochem major at Yale at first. So oh, wow. I'm, I love to, to geek out and nerd out on, on science and data. So mm-hmm. yesterday, actually, we were playing with it and we were trying to figure out the best protocols that hacked for the easiest VO2 max and you know, nothing is simple or easy when you're dealing with tech. Yeah. And so we were playing with it. And so I got to do all of my my data yesterday and I got to see my chart exactly where I switched from fat to carbs. And all of that, you know, it's like when we talk about a cardiovascular workout, you know, like, <laughs> it's like, what, what are we really talking about? Are we talking yeah. about just working our heart so our heart is healthy? Are we talking about the whole system that's getting the oxygen into our our muscles and allowing us to utilize more oxygen more efficiently? You know, most people don't really have any idea what we're even saying when we say cardiovascular workout. So, you know, we now know that just on the ARX alone, when I'm working as hard as I work, I'm getting an amazing cardiovascular workout, which is why I said before, I honestly think for someone like me who works so hard on the ARX, I don't even need to work 40 minutes a week. I can do 20 minutes a week. Mm-hmm. But the Carol's fun. <laughs> the Carol tells me I'm being chased by a tiger and it, it tells me what my power score is. It tells me whether I'm 
number one in the world or not, you know, power per pound, which is what I, cause I'm very competitive. And that, that sounds for. very interesting. Some, some weeks I'm number one in the world. Some weeks there's a man or two that, that you know, edge me out and I get, you know, it's, I don't get cranky. It's just funny. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so I enjoy the Carol workout. I enjoy the power aspect of that workout, but from a cardiovascular workout perspective, I can't imagine where that 20 minutes of steady state cardio possibly came from because we know without a doubt that that's completely wrong. Not true. I don't know if I can curse. That's bullshit. Yeah, you, go, you can curse. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Absolute bullshit. <laughs> and it's funny because we've had uh, guys like Dr. Doug McGuff on the show oh, before. Yeah. And he's kind of walked through the science behind why that is complete you know, bullshit. And we'll link to that particular video in the show notes because he walked through sort of the evolutionary perspective from the primordial soup uh, onwards, which was pretty incredible. But let's, let's talk a little bit more about this 42 minutes because there's a lot of people listening right now that are like, you know, I don't believe it. This can't possibly be true. Yeah. I get a lot of, well, you were already in good shape. So it only worked for you because you were already in good shape. So I I can, I can definitely speak to all this. And that's why data is so awesome. Let's go into the data because I want to hear like how, how the data affects and makes this all work. Yeah, no, it's so cool because first of all, we're all different, right? And just because Mm -hmm. something works for me a certain way, a certain week, a certain month, a certain year, doesn't mean that any of that is static. And so- Mm -hmm having visibility in, into as much information as possible, right? And so on the strength training side, I can see each second of each rep. So I can see um, my total force output. I can see my intensity. I can see um, the overall output from the whole workout. I can see in each range of motion, like where in the range of motion my power dips. If I do a static, I can do a static hold and see how long I can hold it in this 40% range, which, you know, there's a lot of different conversations around what does fatigue really mean. But most Mm -hmm. of the science that we use at Hacked uses a 40% drop-off metric. And so what that means is if we're going to do any kind of workout on the ARX, we're always looking to see what our kind of max effort is and whether it's within 40% of our max from the day. And once mm-hmm. I can't hit or hold 40% of what my max was from that that first kind of rep, I'm fatigued. It means that my mm-hmm. muscles have burned, you know, the glycogen have burned, you know, the fuel, and they're actually tired. Um, and all of this data is super, super important because I think you and I both are on the same page that our brains <laughs> are are really uh, great servants, lousy masters. And so if we let our brain drive the train of when we have to stop, when we're actually tired, when we're done, we're not going to get anywhere near the level of a workout that we would get if we had real data telling Mm -hmm. us when our mind was full of it and we actually had a lot more left in the tank. And so that's one of the pieces of the puzzle with the data that helps us be honest. And one of the things I always say at Hacked is we're so much stronger than we think. And it's so fun when you can use the data to show people that because then you can help Mm -hmm. blow up some of the kind of limiting beliefs that they had around what they were capable of. And so much of what we do at Hacked, especially on the ARX, you know, we 
I get you in the door because I tell you, oh, 20 minutes a week, 40 minutes a week. That sounds awesome. That sounds so sexy. But once you start working with me, what I'm really sneaking in is the mindset stuff and the inner strength stuff. Because what's mm-hmm. really holding us back from, from having the best workout, from being as strong as possible, mind, body, and spirit are the limiting beliefs, You know, are the conscious and subconscious things we do to kind of limit what we're capable of, whether we, we know it or not. And the data is one of the ways that we show people that. That like, look, mm-hmm. you thought you walked in here tired. You thought you weren't going to have anything in the tank. And look, you just hit new maxes on everything. Or you mm-hmm. thought you were done after that second rep. And then when I maybe yelled at you a little or found some fun <laughs> way to motivate you, you beat that. Like you got even higher than that. And people are like, oh my God, you're right. Because it's right there in black and white or black and red or gray. And so you can see it. And so the data is such a powerful tool to hold us accountable, to keep us honest, to keep us motivated, and to keep raising the bar. So we are, you know, getting stronger, not plateauing. And it's all like, you know, there's so many fun taglines that we can use, like the devil's in the data, the data don't lie. I mean, it's it's all true. You just gave me a title for the podcast episode. Well, there you though. go. <laughs> use them. Yeah. So can we go a little bit onto those limiting beliefs? Because I'm yes. sure, I mean, you have clients coming in all the time and data being a powerful one. Uh, a powerful motivator for people like you, for people like myself, um, and also probably for most people if they can get access to it. Mm-hmm. But wh- how are some of the other ways that you address limiting beliefs? Because so I find that yeah. it's like extremely hard for certain people to just get off the couch or for certain people to do that extra rep, so to speak. Or for certain people to be even in their bodies in the first place. True. Right? I mean, it really... So my background before I did Hacked, about three and a half years ago, I had a pretty major spiritual awakening. So mm-hmm. I wrote my book in two weeks and all that weird stuff happened. Wait, wait just a second. You wrote a book in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I, I go. I, like, There's a lot of energy in here. And so when it's mm-hmm. when it's go time, I, if it flows, it goes. Um, mm-hmm. But but my And my real passion from all of that, and I never thought I was going to go back and be a personal trainer because... I was like, man, the outside in stuff's easy, right? Like getting your body strong, like building a strong bicep, that's easy. The hard stuff is that inner work. Like how do you really address those limiting beliefs? Because the reason why they're in there is to keep us safe, right? Mm-hmm. Is to keep us safe. And and that's like ancestral DNA. Like people don't want to let go of that stuff because they, they're clinging to them because they think it's the very thing that's keeping them safe. But one of the things that I always say, you know, if we're allowing any of those old survival instincts, those survival stories uh, to continue, if we're, if we're kind of staying in that survival mode, we'll never thrive. And mm-hmm. so we have to find ways to get out of our comfort zone. We have to find ways to be vulnerable. We have to find ways to ask those questions. Is this really true? This thing that I'm like planting my pole on, that I, I'm standing on as the foundation for, for everything that I believe in life, <laughs> is this mm-hmm. really true? Which obviously is not a good feeling. Like when you have those moments of like existential crisis of like, oh my God, wait, nothing I thought was true is true. Horrible mm-hmm. feeling, panic attacks galore, right? <laughs> so the cool thing about what we do at Hacked, especially on the ARX, is that we create this really safe space where I'm not necessarily asking you to think about everything that you believe in life. 
you know, mm-hmm. we could do that privately you know, some other mm-hmm. time. Sometimes it does happen on the air. Yeah, yeah, you have a separate room for yeah, kind of separate, the, the, the life coaching business. Between you yeah. and I, there's a lot of crying at Hacked. I, mean, yeah. I, I, I joke that if I make you cry, I take that as a, a sign of endearment. That means that you trust me. It means that we can connect and I can help you and we're getting right to the, that that spot. It's a good but session on the ARX, right there. I try not to make you cry on the ARX. Mm-hmm. But what we do on the ARX is I show you how safe it is. I show you that you can trust the machine. You can trust yourself. You can trust me. And then really slowly at someone's own pace, I encourage people, I invite people to just beat the gray. <laughs> and so if you you have this gray line, right? And so I you can keep it really simple and you can just let people at their own pace, maybe with a little bit of coaching. Everybody's different. Sometimes I will just tell you that there's a social justice issue that like not on my watch, you know, I'm not on my watch. This is going down, you know, tap into that mama bear energy, tap into that papa bear energy, that inner ferocity. Some people I'm like, imagine your child is being taken by a motherfucking alligator. You are not letting go, right? Like different people, I use different techniques. But I try to gently expand what people believe is possible and let them find it on their own. Because what I find as a coach, we want people to do their own work, come to their own conclusions. If people find it on their own, it's infinitely more impactful than if I force feed it to somebody and like make someone do it. Because then the, the, the resistance, the resistance, the resistance. But if I hold space, create space and let them do it on their own, it's so exciting because then people like light up and get so excited. And then it does transfer to all the other areas of your life. Because if you realize that you're so much stronger than you thought, so much braver than you thought, your distress tolerance gets better, then that that's real. Your distress mm-hmm. tolerance just got better, not just on the ARX machine, but dealing in your marriage and dealing as a parent and dealing with your business. And you will be more responsible, able to respond with wisdom and grace in those high pressure moments. Mm-hmm. That, it's, that's awesome. I, Bad. I, it really you know, is. <laughs> one of the, uh, you just encapsulated one of the big takeaways I got from a book called the inner game of tennis. And I can't remember exactly who wrote it now, but I'll link to it in the show notes. And cool. you know, his big philosophy was rather than getting a tennis player to, or just teaching a tennis player and saying like, here's what you do. It's sort of like, how do we get the tennis player to realize that himself? Mm-hmm. And that entire methodology is actually what I find works best when you're working with any coach really. So thank you for sharing that. Now- sure. Let's talk about that on the 42 minutes. Let's say, you know, you go and you work out 42 minutes a week. How much more important or is it more important than it normally is? Are things like nutrition, Mm -hmm. uh, sleep, et cetera? I love this question with my whole being. Mm -hmm. The reason why I love this question is because it shines a light on something I'm so passionate about evangelizing. Because so many people are still stuck in the paradigm of, you know, over-exercising solves bad choices. And it's like, it's like putting stuff under the bed. Like it's still there. It's just more hidden. And that's even more dangerous, honestly, because if you're putting crap in your body or if you're putting too much sugar in your body, right? And a small amount of sugar packaged properly is fine. 
seasonally. (laughs) (laughs) But if you're like, oh, I can, you know, drink this sugar, sugary beverage, this, you know, 60 grams of sugar, I'm going to just mainline it into my body. Um, And I can get away with it because I do a lot of cardio. I'm really active, but you're not like immediately, like if when I was training for a marathon, sure, you could have that because you're like instantly running it off. It's not, not even, although on my case, I think my insulin, I'm a very fast insulin responder. So okay, I, I for me, I think that wouldn't be good even if I were currently running a marathon, but mm-hmm. you know, we, we delude ourselves into thinking that those choices are okay. Cause we're going to just do extra, extra workouts. And I'm going to just talk about nutrition for a second. Um, I learned, so before I ran hacked and before I had that, or while I was having that whole spiritual epiphany thing I, and wrote the book, I was running a behavioral therapy-based food and weight program. And I loved it because it brought together so much of what I had been doing as a personal trainer. I'd been doing through yoga and meditation. It was a combination of mindfulness, distress tolerance, emotional regulation, and interpersonal skills to help people change their relationship with food. So when I got there, I thought I had things figured out already because I was a personal trainer. I was in really good shape. I, you know, I had kind of lost my 40 pounds post baby and got in, into good shape. And I remember like the first week meeting with my partner who was a therapist and an expert at all this stuff. And she was explaining to me what exercise bulimia was. And, and I was like, oh no, I have exercise bulimia because I totally was the person. Like my kids would get the freaking, uh, you know, Girl Scout cookies, the Thin Mints. And I don't know if you know about Thin Mints, but they come in these two sleeves and it's like, oh, once yeah. you open one sleeve, you might as well eat the whole sleeve because the sleeve's already open. And then it's like, well, you might as well eat the other sleeve too, because mm-hmm. now you're, you know, you're going to eat it eventually. And it's just better to get it out of the house. So I would eat a whole box of cookies and I'd be like, it doesn't matter. I'm going to do just an extra hour of cardio tomorrow and mm-hmm. it's fine. And it seemed fine. But once I learned about insulin resistance and what was really going on in my body and, and became more responsible around nutrition, it's like, God, oh, what was I thinking? You know, our bodies are these beautiful biochemical machines. Everything we put in our body, and this is on the wall at Hacked, is either medicine or poison. Mm-hmm. And you could say that it's only a little bit of medicine, only a little bit of poison. And there's this gray area where it's like, ah, you know, how much harm or how much good is it really doing? Okay, fine. And no, something is either helping your body be healthier, moving towards a place of homeostasis and, and health, or it's challenging your body, stressing your body. And your body needs all of its functionality to deal with all the other normal stress. It's like, you don't want stress just from the food you ate. We've got enough problems with the air we breathe, the toxicity of EMF and our you know relationships and collective stuff. All right. The sponsor for today's podcast is a member of the toolkit that I use on an almost daily basis to upgrade my state of being and have used it actually for the past couple of years. The guys over at Neurohacker Collective have done a fantastic job. You've heard me rave about the original stack as well as Qualia Mind on the show. But now I'm so excited because the suite of products has grown. You have Qualia Focus for that near-term bump. You have Qualia Mind Caffeine Free for all my caffeine-sensitive listeners out there. But their latest product, which just came out, is oh so exciting. It's called Eternus, and it's a 38-ingredient formula containing the most researched and premium ingredients on Earth for supporting cellular health. This is key to combating the symptoms of aging. If you want to check out Eternus, Qualia Mind, 
Focus, or any of the Neurohacker products, go over to neurohacker.com and plug in the code BOOMER. You'll get an additional 15% off your order. Enjoy. Nutrition is so important for our health. Mm-hmm. That's a totally separate thing than exercise. We do not exercise or work out to burn fat mm-hmm. and lose weight. Yes, it's it can be exercise can be part of a healthy weight loss program, but weight loss is about healthy nutrition. There's a great analogy around a tub of water and the faucet of the tub is what we eat, is the nutrition, what we're putting in our body. The drain of the tub is exercise. So yeah, we need to be active. We need to be letting water out of the drain. But if we don't deal with the faucet, we're never going to be healthy. And so nutrition is always important. It keeps it even more honest and more in the front of your mind when you're only working out 42 minutes a day, 20 minutes, whatever. I'm still active. And so I still actually burn a lot of calories. Mm-hmm. Um, although I will tell you, I'm a very small woman. I'm dense, I'm a lot of muscle, but I'm, I'm tiny. I'm 5'5", five, five, but I'm like a size zero. I've got really small hands and small feet and small bones, a lot of muscle, but mm-hmm. tiny. And so my metabolic, resting metabolic rate is really low. It's only like 1,200 calories a day that I actually just burn without real exercise. So I don't, I have to be really, really on point with my nutrition. Um, a calorie isn't a calorie. So I can like have a lot of olive oil mm-hmm. right, and a lot of avocado. And my body metabolizes that very differently than if I was, you know, just having a lot of sugar and a lot of bread. And I see that in my body. So I don't count calories and I don't subscribe to that. In the beginning, though, having awareness around macronutrients is really important. So in the beginning, I do recommend starting to learn, you know, what's in your food and what calories things are. Mm -hmm. But exercise is never a solution to that. And so it's actually better when you're trying to get on point with nutrition to actually not exercise at all, I'd even say. So you really can, you know, like like if you're cleaning your room, you got to take everything out from under the bed. You, mm-hmm. you can't pretend there's stuff not under the bed because not only is there a lot of stuff under the bed, there's a lot of dust under the bed. It's, it's dirty under the bed mm-hmm. and you can't pretend it's not. That's not going to work. So that's my rant on nutrition. Oh, I love it. I love it. And sleep and stress is the same. Yeah. I actually had this conversation last night with my husband. Most people don't like to talk about the elephant in the room, which is stress. Of course. Because we know, I mean, the research has shown plain as day, that great Harvard study that not dealing with your stress right? So an excessive amount of stress that we're not able to deal with is worse than smoking five cigarettes a day. People don't like to talk about that because mm-hmm. we don't even know what to do about our stress. Most people are like, what do I, I don't, where do I do about my stress? Yeah. People who are like, I can't meditate, all these limiting beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. I can't meditate. I have this job. I have to stay in this job because it's how I pay my kids' bills and how I pay for the house, pay the mortgage. So I can't quit the job. You know, I'm in this maybe a, a relationship that's stressful, but you're like, can't get out of that. <laughs> you, know, so you, feel, <laughs> you feel so locked in with all of these stressors and you don't see a way out. You have all these limiting beliefs around what you're able to do and achieve. And so you just surrender to the stress. And I'm, I'm guilty of that and I'm dealing with that right now. It's not pleasant. It's not, it's, you have to yeah. be brave, but it's, 
you know, we have to, to talk about it because now we can use data like the HRV to see the, and my, my story about that, my, oh, oh shit, I'm, you know, I thought I was so not stressed because I meditate and I can get my HRV super high during the day, mm-hmm. which higher is better if, if your listeners aren't sure. Um, so I thought I got my husband actually this leaf monitor to track my HRV all day long because I wanted him to learn. There was like this built-in mindfulness program. I wanted him to learn how to be more mindful about his stress. I used it to kind of play with it because I thought it was going to pat me on the back and tell me how you know, zen I was. Mm-hmm. And during the day, yeah, I could get myself zen instantly. But then I wore it at night and it was waking me up all night telling me how stressed I was. And I was like, ah, what am I supposed to do about that? And, and then I was like, well, yeah, what am I supposed to do about that? And then I was like, all right. So it made me look at my subconscious stress that I was just putting under the bed and I had to start cleaning house and deal with it and make a priority, figuring out how to get my HRV better at night Mm -hmm. and be honest about some of the things in life that were out of alignment where I wasn't really being authentic and I needed to start figuring out how to be authentic and hold space for how scary that was and what was going to happen. And yeah, it's... So, you know, exercise 42 minutes a week. Yes, we can use more exercise to hide some of the stress. And I was an over-exerciser. I used to rely on those endorphins to mm-hmm. feel better and to sleep good at night and all those things that didn't solve the areas of my life where I was not being authentic and I was out of alignment and that shit keeps score. So you know, we got to be honest. If we're not honest, we're just putting it under the bed and that shit builds up. And that's what we, you know, end up having lead to disease, dis-ease. Yeah. You can pretend otherwise, but we all know people who get cancer, heart attacks, strokes, you know, things that we may have a genetic predisposition for, but why does it end up happening? You know, how do we create that environment in our body where that ends up happening? Mm -hmm. So, you know, brass tacks, we got to face it, not an ostrich. That's very powerful. And thank you for sharing that. And I want to hear more a little bit about how, if you're willing to share how you're dealing with that. But first you mentioned a device in there called the leaf. Um, is that different than the first beat sort of three day monitor or do you mind going into that one? Sure. So I'm not familiar with the first beat three day. Okay. It sounds like it's a three day yeah. monitor. <laughs> uh, I'm a really good super sleuth. <laughs> I'm a super sleuth. <laughs> so the leaf it has like an eight-week program built into it. And okay. so it's not meant to be a three-day monitor. It's meant to be a, a well, I will advise not to wear it while you sleep. Because, it sounds like it may wake you up every once in a yeah. while. <laughs> and I think with a lot of this newer tech, uh, I could not figure out how to like reach support and be like, hey, is there a way to turn off the vibrating notifications? They make it pretty difficult stressed? for you, right? It's just like well, either- the newer companies- Either they have that it. intercom chat or they don't, in which case yeah, you can't yeah. get a hold of them. So, and maybe I didn't try that hard. I don't know, but- I do love the device mm-hmm. because it gives you an all day long uh, HRV monitor, which the Aura doesn't. Mm-hmm. The BioStrap does. It takes readings periodically throughout the day, but it's very, very different than real time, moment to moment. And for me, because I already had a mindfulness practice and I was already able to kind of get into that state, it opened up a whole nother level of mindfulness for me because it opened up this subconscious 
place where I was holding stress in my body, mm-hmm. but it wasn't mental because in my mind, I already kind of had cracked the code on every challenge being an opportunity and always finding the win and all the things that, you know, we coach people to do. I, mm-hmm. I walk the walk. So I thought that I wasn't stressed, but the way the leaf works, it it has all the ranges, right? And so it buzzes, it vibrates and tells you when you're in a super stressed state. It also vibrates and tells you when you're calm. And so for me, the first few days I was using it, it was crazy because first of all, it was spot on. You know, I'd get a phone call from, it was, it was during the time when I was just working on developing the business plan for Hacked when I started wearing it. And so, you know, I had business meetings all day and some things were going well, some mm-hmm. things were not, you know, I'd get a call that the insurance hadn't come through yet. And my landlady was not going to budge on wanting 6 million of insurance. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Come again? Um, And she's like, well, you could just walk away from the deal. I'm like, no, I already purchased machines. Like I can't walk away from the deal. We signed the lease and I've already paid. Um, So, you know, there's plenty of opportunities for me to get stressed and then, and then get myself calm again. So, so that was all cool. And then the cool thing was it showed me what triggers in my life brought me to calm Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm a mom. I juggle many things, and each day I try really hard to pick my kids up from school, mm-hmm. and it's hard. <laughs> it's not easy juggling all those things. I can imagine not being late to pick up my kids to school. And uh, when I would arrive to my kid's school, the leaf would buzz and tell me that I was calm, and I hadn't noticed that feeling. Or when I'd get the kids, because then I'd drive from New York City back to Westchester, and the second I'd pull in the garage and the garage door would close it would buzz that I was calm. And I was like, Mm. huh, that's cool. Because I hadn't had that level of awareness because it was all subconscious. It was just in my body. I wasn't thinking, oh, yay, I'm home. I wasn't thinking, yay, I got my kids. You know, it was was interesting. So it gave me a whole nother world Mm -hmm. of mindfulness around stress. And so I love the device. It's kind of annoying as you stick it on you. So it's got like the, the sticky electrode things that like yeah. go right below your chest. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a really, really cool device. And we actually loan them out at Hacked. I have a bunch of them and people that I coach, I, you know, you, you leave a hundred dollar deposit and then when you bring it back, you get the hundred bucks back because I, I'm, I'm really about empowering people. And the mm-hmm. leaf is a fabulous device to empower people because it gives you a real moment to moment opportunity to practice and figure out the power that we have mm-hmm. to, you know, deal with our stress while we're awake. And then the, the sleeping thing is a whole nother, <laughs> whole nother ball of, ball of wax. That's, yeah. That's a big wormhole that we could go down, but um, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's talk a little bit about some of the other tools over at hacked because, you know, I'm debating whether or not to call this the future fitness episode, but we're, it seems like we're going that way. You have a lot of very cool things there. And we've touched on the ARX and the Carol. Do you mind just talking a little bit about, um, why don't we start with the Livo too? Because that's sure. that's an excellent tool. Yeah. So you mentioned Bob Trya. Shout, yeah. shout out, Quantified Bob. Yep. So as is so many of you know, the aspects of hacked, right? It's things are just unfolding in this kind of magical, mystical way. Bob is no exception. I didn't know Bob before Mm -hmm. I opened hacked. I had heard his name and to be honest, and he knows the story. When I first heard the name quantified Bob, I was like, that's Uh weird. Probably (laughs) he sounds really, and then I like looked at his Instagram and like he had shit up his nose and I'm like, okay, he's weird. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm weird too. And I don't have anything against weird people because I love people. 
but I'm like, I'm a very middle of the road person. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. weird, but like, I'm, I'm not, even though I'm a nerd, I'm like, you know, I don't drink alcohol anymore, but I'm like the kind of person like, let's just have a drink and chat. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I consider myself to be a very kind of personable, normal person. Bob seemed weird. And so <laughs> I hadn't met Bob, but I thought that there'd be like some weirdness. And then random long story, I'm not going to tell it, but he came into hacked in the first couple of weeks that I was open. Bob was awesome. And he was asking me about whether there was any chance that there was room for him to kind of, you know, rent space and come work out of Hacked. And he had the Live O2 or Live O2. And and I was like, well, I don't want to like rent you space, but you can just use space and come Mm -hmm. and hang out because you're awesome and you're just a pleasure and this wealth of information. And so he brought the Live O2. Mm-hmm. So he could speak to this way better than I can. But since I give tours all day and get people on it all day, he's actually the only person who does the coaching sessions right now on it. Mm-hmm. But the thing about it that's so cool. So it basically is a tank of oxygen. You know, it, there's a reservoir and there's a compressor that puts part of the reservoir to be a higher concentration of oxygen. So maybe 90% oxygen. And then there'll be a smaller tank that's like 30%. And you can control what the percentages are. And then you basically go through any kind of cardiovascular workout, alternating whether you breathe in the higher concentrations or the lower concentrations of oxygen. And it's fascinating how profound the impact that is on our bodies. Mm-hmm. Because I don't, there's a lot of things that hacked that that the science I don't think really understands the why, doesn't really understand the mechanism. Like we know for a fact that when you start working out, breathing in this higher concentration, there's this metabolic dump that happens where like three minutes in, you feel like complete ass. Mm -hmm. And Bob warned me, (laughs) but I'm like, oh, I have a high tolerance for pain. I've had babies without drugs. I do the ARX. Like it's going to be fine. (laughs) No problem. It was not fine. It was not. I actually had to take the mask off. And there's something about having a mask on my face and feeling awful that invokes a, like a higher level of panic. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> awful just, squared, right? Yeah, it's like awful squared. And so, you know, there's there's something metabolically happening where you are cleaning out your cells in a way that your cells haven't gotten cleaned out in a long time. And then, you know, the science seems to show that when you're alternating between the high and the low and you get your body to a really low concentration of oxygen and Bob is there monitoring your pulse ox the whole time, you know, you get your blood to a really low level of oxygen and then you give yourself the high level of oxygen. So then all of a sudden, like your body's like craving oxygen and trying to take it in really, really hard. You know, the theory goes, but all of a sudden it's got this higher concentration and so you get even more in. Mm-hmm. So all I know is that you sweat like a mother. Can I curse on this show? Please go for it. Okay, good. You sweat like a motherfucker, like, which is one of the reasons I don't do it that often because I'm there working, I'm training clients. Mm-hmm. And so like, I can't look like I just jumped in a pool. So Bob, so- Bob told me that I wouldn't sweat so much if I did it, but this is interesting. Really? <laughs> did you? <laughs> well, I haven't used it yet, but I, I oh, want okay. to- uh, right. I wanted to pick your brain on it because it's one of those Bob things. Bob is so that, sweet. Yeah. I, Bob, I know you know Bob, but yeah. for anyone who doesn't know Bob, I need to just take a moment and say how much I love Bob. He is just a beautiful human. He's so fucking smart. Yep. Like, oh my God. And like, there's, you know, right? Once you start going into this, this realm of biochemistry and biohacking, bioscience, quantum physics, I mean, there's so much to know. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, we all need to be experts in different niches because there's just so much 
you know, like listening to Ben Greenfield, you're like, wow, man, you know way more about enzymes and like what's going on on that level than, than I do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know what I know more of than Ben, but I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Something, I guess. Maybe IPOs. But <laughs> There you go. But, but um, you know, Bob, having Bob around to be able to pick his brain and have him explain stuff is just, he's just so, so amazing as a, as a friend and partner. So I'm really, really lucky. And he's, you know, he's been on the show before, but he's also one of my go-to resources when I'm trying to experiment with something and I'm like, okay, I'm not sure this is going to work. And do I want to sink a bunch of money on this? Or he's always a good soundboard for those types of things. Well, it's a great segue into some of the other things we have at Hacked that kind of are are similar to the Live02, where science doesn't really yet at least okay so i'll say from my biochemistry background and and you know i'm trying to build a business and a trusted brand so mm. i want to be able to look my people in the eye and be a trusted resource that like no this works mm-hmm. or there's a, a good shot that this will work for you right cuz none of this stuff is simple it, it's subtle you know like the arx works yeah however if you're trying to build muscle, there's a lot of other things going on in our bodies that could make it hard for us to build muscle. So that's why we have to talk about nutrition. We have to talk about stress. We have to talk about sleep because like the tools that that we have work, we're complex, right? And so we could talk about something like the Nano V, which is another Let's go down that, that, that yeah. Bob brought to Hacked. It was something that I had already vetted and was already obsessed with. So the Nano V AKA the breathy thing. Right? So for <laughs> people that, and people think that you're breathing oxygen. You are not. You're breathing water vapor mm-hmm. that has had a specific frequency of light shined at it. So basically you're breathing water vapor that's vibrating with the specific frequency of light. And that frequency of light supposedly is a bioidentical signal to the signal that our, our cells use when they're under oxidative stress. Mm-hmm. So Supposedly, and I, I say this because, you know, you go down this rabbit hole of research and, and, and how this really works, and I reach a limit of, of what we can really prove, and most scientists reach a limit. Yep. So that's why there's going to be skeptics, right? And that's why with things like the, the Livo2, things like the Nano-V, anything at Hacked, I'm like, try it. <laughs> like, don't take my word for it. Mm-hmm. Try it for yourself. We're going to use the data, and we're going to see if it works for you. And so the Nano-V by faking our body out that we're under oxidative stress makes our body think we're under oxidative stress and we're under attack, but we're not. And so it starts this repair process, Mm -hmm. which we can see through data, gets our parasympathetic nervous system going. So we go into that relaxation response, the rest and digest mode in our nervous system, Mm -hmm. which has a whole host of benefits. So even if you don't want to follow this logic that, okay, well, you know, antioxidants are good, you know, but having better, you know, lowering our oxidative stress is good. You know, there's a whole theory that that's why we age oxidative stress, but then Mm -hmm. there's people that have thrown that theory out the window that no, it's not that simple. That's not, aging isn't just oxidative stress. So, you know, there's a lot of science once you start going down this rabbit hole, wormhole, rabbit hole, there's lots of holes to go down, but we can go all day long. (laughs) Wherever you go down the holes, it's, it's, you know, we use the data. And mm-hmm. so I grab my aura ring, or if I were wearing my leaf monitor, you can see your relaxation response to the Nano V. You can see a trend from the Nano V improving your HRV while you sleep, 
which is one of my life goals, is to figure out how to continually get my HRV while I sleep higher. Yeah. Because it was not good when it first started and I was very sad. So, so, you know, we can see real things using data and then there's a lot of research. It's not research that I, as my Yale scientist, want to see, you know, double blind, thousand person plus study, right? We're not there yet. And Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know, honestly, when we start to go into some of these more subtle, when I say subtle, it's like, you know, some of this stuff is more working on the quantum realm. Like we talked about the amp coil, something that I'm experimenting with at home that we don't actually offer at hacked yet, because I'm not sure (laughs) whether I can can you explain the amp coil for people who are not familiar? Sure. I will do my best, my friend. Yeah, go for it. We're linked to it in the show notes too. Yeah, cool. So, well, we can segue into PEMF in general, because one of the things that we do have at at Hacked twice a week is the Pulse Center PEMF, which I'm obsessed with. Yeah, it's. I was most skeptical, and originally we weren't going to have any PEMF because, again, my biochemistry scientist hat, the science they claim about Mm -hmm. how the Pulse Center, and they actually just changed their whole website and changed the science, which I think is better because what they were saying did not resonate. Let's just put it that way. Yep. but PEMF, there's a lot of different uses for PEMF. PEMF stands for pulsed electromagnetic field, electromagnetic field or mm. frequency theory. Some people use field, some people use frequency, whatever. It doesn't matter. You're getting pulsed electromagnetic jolts <laughs> through your mm. body. But that is a delivery method. It's not like, you know, those old, oh, you're going to sit on the couch and you're going to shock your muscles and you're going to get half an hour's worth of of crunches while doing nothing watching TV. That's not the point of this because <laughs> I think that's yeah. complete ridiculousness. I mean, yes, your muscles are contracting, but you're not doing it with your brain, which, you know, it's the whole kinetic chain that's important. Like one of the major benefits of exercise is what it's doing for our brain. So if you're taking mm-hmm. the brain out of it, you're losing a huge part of why we exercise. So I don't believe in that per se. Um, but there's a lot of different technologies out there, companies out there that are using, using pulse electromagnetic field waves as a carrier for information. Mm-hmm. And so the amp coil is a low frequency, a low amp pulse that's bringing specific frequencies. They're called rife. I think they're using rife frequencies. They don't necessarily say that, but I believe that's what it is, which are you know, 80 years ago. I mean, there's all kinds of skepticism around all this stuff. So you start Googling this stuff, you're going to find as many people that think it's woo-woo and, you know, hooey bullshit as you're going to find people that believe in it. Um, But there's enough people that anecdotally have said it worked for them. And hey, it could be placebo because placebo works, you know, 20% of the time too. So, you know, I, I am, I was raised a skeptic. And so that's part of my DNA is to really be skeptical about all this stuff and try Mm -hmm. it for myself and then report back and see what my clients or my friends are experiencing and report back. But anyway, the AMP coil uses specific frequencies to get specific Um, modes of healing. So it can target specific organs. It could target sleep. It can target mental health. It can target cleanses. Like it's supposedly really good if you've had Lyme or if you've parasites, all these different, you know, again, whenever something says it's a panacea, I get really, really skeptical. Um, Luckily they don't use that word in their marketing, Mm -hmm. but the programming for the AMP coil is very specific for a lot of really specific things. Now, I don't have anything specifically really wrong with me, so it's hard for me to like yeah. say, oh, I had all of these things from Lyme and now I don't. 
Um, but as I was telling you before in the show, before we started the show, there's a deep sleep setting on the amp coil. Yeah. It doesn't always work because again, I think this is the amp coil is working on really, really subtle energetic fields. So once you get into quantum physics and I love talking about talking about going down the wormhole, Ooh. I love talking about quantum physics. Mm -hmm. I started studying quantum physics when I was like 16. I was like, this is cool. I'm such a nerd. But um, <laughs> I think once you start dealing with anything on the quantum level that we're using, this kind of subtle, subtle energy and subtle science, it's really hard to study. It's really hard because there's so much going on that impacts the results that even just looking at it a different way can impact the results. So if you think that it won't work, it's going to be less effective. Um, if you're doing a research study, you know, how do you control for all that stuff? Yeah. I don't know. And that's one of the things that I talk about with Bob a lot. And I don't, do you know, Mike Hoban? You I don't know, Mike, you got it. I've Hoban. heard the name before, but you got to you got to get him on the show. He's one of my absolute favorite humans. I met him mm -hmm. finally and I'm like, "Oh, I love you." I think I made him uncomfortable because I was like, "I love like I fell <laughs> in love, like literally in love." I was like, "I love you." Mm -hmm. And he's like, "That's weird. You just met me." But um he's got some really interesting stuff going on that I think is working on the quantum level and it's hard because you know, it's just like the power of positive thinking, right? You know, hopefully we all believe that there's a power in positive thinking. Mm -hmm. That power is way less subtle than gravity. So if I go to the top of my house and I'm like, power, positive thinking, I know I can fly. I can see myself flying. Gravity is still stronger than that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm not going to fly. And so that's one of the analogies I used to explain. Like there's a subtlety to this that, you know, it's worth trying. It's, it's worth, if you're struggling with something, if you've got something going on in your body or in your mind or in your being, all of this stuff is worth trying because mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that get results from it. And so I'm home using it to see it, it seems to have improved my deep sleep at least some of the time, like dramatically. My normal average deep sleep is two hours, 15 minutes. Using the amp coil, there were a couple times that I got three and a half hours deep sleep. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it didn't work, but maybe that was because I, you know, ate something that, you know, too close to bedtime. Like I can't possibly control for all the things, right? And that's one of the hard things about all of this evidence-based research that I really want to see. But it's like, we can't control for all this stuff. And so at the end of the day, I have one of my mantras is do my best, surrender the rest. It's like, I don't want to not bring something to market that I really believe can help people just because it's not going to help everyone or because, you know, there isn't the evidence-based research yet, you know, if it can help and if I believe it helps me then I'll tell you and then I'll say, try it for yourself and then trust your instinct. Trust if you want more of it. And now to quick segue to the Pulse Center PEMF, which is a totally different thing because that's a high intensity, like your whole body is shaking. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing that we have it hacked that if I don't get it, I kind of freak out. I, I have a reaction that I then have to use my mindfulness skills to be like, it's okay, Pam, you can not have it today and you'll be fine. Um, but my body and my, my brain, my being craves that. Wow. And it's interesting. And my, one of my favorite things I would say, well, that's interesting. I don't know if that's good or bad, my friend, like boomer. You know, yeah. like I don't, I don't want to be dependent on something. If something mm -hmm. has the power to piss me off because I don't get it, that's usually dangerous. Mm -hmm doesn't really have the power to piss me off subconsciously it has the power to piss me off or just um, or then, just it feels like you're leaving something on the table if you don't get it 
right? Yeah, that like I really want it. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's interesting to me. And I'm playing with that. I'm trying to see because I do I do feel like I've experienced some pretty deep healing from the pulse center PEMF. So it's more from a healing slash, and I hate this term because people use it sort of wrongly most of the time, but like a healing sort of detoxification side, or is it more from like an amplification of performance side? I so guess it's I all interrelated. Honest. Well, I'll be honest. Ever since I had my whole spiritual awakening thing, I'm I'm really tuned into my more subtle energetic field, let's mm-hmm. just say. So one of the things I explained, which I don't know if you ever talked about um, you obviously, you've talked about emotional intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know what emotional... I think, thank you, Daniel Goleman. Most people these days understand that emotional intelligence is a very real, powerful thing. Mm-hmm. And if we have it, we will be much more effective as human beings than if we don't have it. And all emotional intelligence is, is being able to be aware of your emotions, regulate your emotions, be aware of other people's emotions, be able to regulate other people's emotions, now that sounded like woo, you know, that old sticks and stones may break my bones. Words will never hurt me. Like when I was growing up, I don't know how old you are, but when I was growing up, you know, that was not a thing yet. Mm-hmm. And and you could feel how hurt you were and it was confusing because you couldn't see the bruises. But now research is plain as day that, you know, emotional neglect is just as uh, dangerous for children as, as not feeding them. Right. And so we know emotional intelligence is real. Have you ever heard the term spiritual intelligence? Loosely, but please educate me. Okay. Well, there was a there was a, a really exciting moment where I thought I came up with it. I was meditating and well, I had this thing happen. It's a really five second story, and you can edit this out if you want this to be shorter right. later, but I'll talk all day if you let me. But it's actually a fun story because it's how I realized the difference between emotional intelligence and spiritual intelligence. Spiritual intelligence is much more subtle. So I was driving down the road by myself, rocking out to a classic rock station and a song like Take the Long Way Home came on, which ah, when I was nice. a kid, that was pure joy. Take, like that was just a pure joy song. My whole family, we used to sing that and I was so excited it came on. The next song that came on was Def Leppard Hysteria, another one of my favorite songs. I was 10. I loved that song. So the song came on, I was happy. So my emotional state went up and I felt it. I was so freaking excited and happy that the song came on. I'll use the word underneath because underneath that happiness, I felt a drop in my spiritual being. I use the word spiritual because it's just this spiritual intelligence. It's like, oh, how are your spirits today? Oh, they're high, they're low. Like you can feel like shame and guilt are really low. Mm-hmm. You know, joy, love, willingness, peace are really high. You can feel this flow of your spirit, right? So song came on, I'm happy, but I felt myself drop. And I was like, because I meditate, because I'm tuned into that stuff, I could feel it. And I was like, what was that? And I went there and I kind of got a little meditative and tuned in. I was like, what was that? What is that? And it was grief because <laughs> when I was 10 and I listened to a lot of Def Leppard, there's a lot of social development stuff going on where mm-hmm. you know, you're rejected, you're humiliated, you're you're not feeling connected, you're not feeling good enough. I used to put on that album and go running in my apple orchard wow. <laughs> as my therapy mm-hmm. because it's hard being a 10-year-old trying to figure out who you are and you're different yeah. and re- all that. So anyway, I realized through that that spiritual intelligence 
is that, is being aware of your spiritual states, which David Hawkins, Letting Go, is the best resource for this. So if you haven't read that book, and if people haven't read that book, read that book. It's so clear. It helps really make this super, super tangible in a way that is just game-changing. And actually, my son, who's now 10, when he was five, this was the book that resonated with him because there's like a map. And mm -hmm. my son is super smart, super turned in, but he would be like, mom, I don't want to talk about that. He didn't ever want to talk about the warm and fuzzy stuff. Ah, I don't want to talk about that, mom. I don't want to, he didn't want to go there. But when I gave him a map, he was like, oh yeah, I have felt guilt and shame and grief and pride and anger and fear. Like, And it helped him draw that inner world, right? Mm -hmm. And so spiritual intelligence is that awareness of being able to regulate your own, being aware of it in others and being able to regulate in others. So I promise this is something to do with PEMF, I swear. <laughs> so what I experience when I'm on the PEMF is spiritual healing. So we all have tons of crap in us still mm -hmm. from, because being human, we experience it in this linear way. That's not what's really going on here, Boomer. What's really going on? It's all now. I know that sounds woo and crazy, but once you have a spiritual awakening, it's like, oh shit, you know, you hold on because <laughs> you're like, wait, it's all now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I can go back then and heal the stuff that happened then and wait, every possible thing in the future is already so. And I'm just going to rise to that and, and choose where I'm going to be. It's like mind blowing Boomer, mm -hmm. in the true sense of the word. It mm -hmm. takes some time to kind of re-regulate. And, and it's hard to be a human again, once you experience that, like you mm -hmm. really just want to go be a monk and sit in a cave because it's much easier. <sighs> but instead I'm a mom, a wife and a business runner. There okay. you go. But anyway, on the PEMF, that's the healing that I experience because that's the healing I need. I don't have a broken bone. I don't have, you know, a lot of inflammation. I don't have a lot of stuff going on physically. I still have plenty of stuff from being human that's subconscious in there that I'm not aware of that mm -hmm. I've felt the PEMF heal. So I, I am a huge fan of that. And I'm honest, even though it sounds crazy and woo, I'm honest about what I experience because even though it may sound crazy and it may be slightly embarrassing because it may sound like I'm crazy, the proof is in the pudding. I'm not afraid of being thought of crazy because like I wrote my book in two weeks. I have a successful business. My husband's extremely successful. Like I have a beautiful thriving family you know, my life is really good. The proof is in the pudding. Like mm -hmm. I'm getting beautiful, real world, tangible results from my crazy. So, so I'm honest because it can help people because this is real. Mm -hmm. Like this subtle stuff, emotional intelligence is real. Spiritual intelligence is real. And that is kind of this hidden superpower that we all have that ultimately what is, I'm kind of like when I make smoothies for my kids, I sneak the spinach in the smoothie this is the, the kind of healing that I'm sneaking in at Hacked because people won't come for this. I had this coaching business for a while and it's hard to get people to like sign up for spiritual coaching. What the mm -hmm. hell is that? That doesn't sound like anything that most people would want. But if I tell you, you can get fit in 20 minutes a day and you can get fit in 20 minutes a day, you'll come. Yeah. And I won't even necessarily tell you about the other stuff, but we will talk about stress. And once we start talking about stress and sleep, we will start talking about, well, what do you find you know so hard about you know, trusting life and trusting yourself? What do you find so hard about loving life and loving yourself? And those are the questions that it's like laser pointer, whoop. Oh, well, it's because when I was 10, I was like really abused. And so then because of that experience when I was 10, I don't really trust life and I have a hard time loving myself and trusting myself and, oh shit, <laughs> you know, 
I'm not a therapist. I don't want to do that work. I'll tell you to go talk to a therapist or mm -hmm. I'll give you the tools to do the work yourself, which ultimately we all have to do the work ourselves, of having people support us and that stuff. I don't tell people that that's part of what we do at Hacked, but that's why there's a lot of crying at Hacked because I don't even need to say it. That's the thing about spiritual healing. Sometimes we have releases and we don't even know what the hell just got released. Mm -hmm. And you probably have experienced it and you probably have had listeners who've experienced it. For some unknown reason, you just start to cry and then you feel better yep. and you don't even know what it was, but it's out of you. And then you have more power. You can be more in your power and be happier. And that's ultimately what we all want. And when you, the name of your show, like decoding superhuman, that's that. So it the is. fitness stuff is great. And we can talk about the other stuff too, like the red light therapy and because it's all real and it's all part of this awesome package. It's, but it's all supplemental to the deeper work because if you don't do eventually the deeper work, you're just this, there's more stuff under the bed. <laughs> and eventually, eventually it explodes, stress. right? That's yeah. the hidden stress. And mm -hmm. when we talk about stress, it's like, why can't you trust life? Why can't you trust that this really seemingly bad, painful thing that's happening right now is actually part of this next amazing up-leveling that's about to happen? Mm -hmm. Why can't you trust that right now? Because that's stress. This has been an absolutely beautiful conversation. Oh, it's gone in a very different direction than I originally expected. And I think that's amazing. Uh, and so Pam, I want to thank you so much for coming on today. If you don't mind, I want to transition into our final four questions, if that's okay. Yes, and sure. I think I'm going to hit you up sometime and say like, Hey, you should come back on and let's talk a little bit about practical uh, uses of red light therapy and other things. But sure. let's, let's start with the the final four. And as a person who has a family, a business, author, etc., how do you unplug? Meditation. Any, any particular type? Yeah. So three and a half years ago, right before I had the big, <laughs> I switched types of meditation. So mm -hmm. I started meditation with Alan Finger, who mm -hmm. You can find his meditations on Spotify and YouTube, iTunes. And then I've read a book called Autobiography of a Yogi, mm -hmm. which I highly recommend. In that book, he talked about the things I already started experiencing around meditation and then a whole nother realm of superpowers. And I was like, well, if that part I know is true because I've already experienced it, why not all of that? And how do I get that? And so I found a teacher to teach a specific type of meditation called Kriya, which is K-R-I-Y-A. And that is the simple set of tools that completely was a game changer. Amazing. How do you improve your focus or what's your top trick for improving focus? Breath. I connect with my breath. Do you follow a specific rhythm or is it just that mindful connection? So I would say for me, it's the mindful connection. And I've retrained my brain, like literally rewired my brain that whenever I'm uncomfortable, whenever I'm feeling stuck, whenever I'm feeling out of flow, whenever I'm feeling anything other than like bliss, and I'll be honest, I'm really annoying to be around a lot of the time. Like if you, if you really 
believe that life is not bright and sunshiny and worth celebrating, I'm going to piss you off. (laughs) (laughs) I am like blissed out most of the time Mm -hmm. without drugs. And so whenever I'm not, and I'm not in flow and, and things aren't just flowing, I've retrained my brain just to go back to my breath. And, and it's incredibly effective. And it's always with me. It's not like, oh shit, where's my lucky rabbit's foot? Yeah, where, <laughs> where's my tool that I have to carry around with Crap, me? Crap, I forgot it today. <laughs> yeah, like the V-light where you have to drag it around with you. But um, What book has significantly impacted your life and your ability to show up and perform in it? So there's so many. The one I'm going to say I, I'm going to use as a great gateway for, I think, your audience, which is Michael Singer's The Surrender Experiment. Mm-hmm. The five-second funny story about that. I was introduced to Michael Singer. His first book was called Untethered Soul, which is also an amazing, amazing read. He wrote that one first. It's deeper. The Surrender Experiment is kind of how he got to The Untethered Soul. Mm-hmm. So The Surrender Experiment, I think, is a great gateway, a great first book for someone who's like, all right, I'm intrigued, Pam. All right. Some of the stuff you said, okay, I'm intrigued. If you're intrigued at all, if this is resonating at all, why not read the book or listen to the book? Because it's really his story of how he went from someone that was kind of like, not lost, but a typical human Mm -hmm. and and ended up living an extraordinary life. Also um, taking a company through an IPO which would have been the last thing that he anticipated or thought he wanted for himself. So again, real world results using all of these tools. So that's that book. Pam, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This has been absolutely marvelous. Where can people find out more about you? So if you go to the Hacked website, which is H-A-C-K-D, fitness. We don't have the E in there because we're cool like that and super efficient. <laughs> so that's that's a way that you can find about Hacked. I do have a personal website, PamelaGold.com. That isn't particularly updated these days, but it's there. And there's a lot of access to a lot of the resources that I created, the content that I created before I started Hacked when I was doing coaching and talking more on the the spiritual side of things, the life coaching side of things. And I also have a parenting program that you can find through there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if you're interested in more the kind of softer side of Pam, not the hard, I'm hard, the hard side of Pam, soft side of Pam, uh, my personal website, PamelaGold.com. Beautiful. The show notes for this one are going to be at decodingsuperhuman.com slash Pam. Pam, thank you so much again. Debt of gratitude for this conversation. I love it. Such a pleasure. I really appreciate it. To all the superhumans listening out there, have an absolutely epic day. Superhumans, you enjoyed that episode? I enjoyed that conversation so much that when we hung up, Pam and I continued talking for about 30 more minutes. We got into a lot that episode, right? We talked about the Pinoe, we talked about the Nano V, we talked about ARX as well as the Carol. And there are so many more details that can be found on those devices. You can get those details at the show notes, which can be found at decodingsuperhuman.com slash Pam. If you enjoyed the episode, please head over to iTunes, give it a five-star rating. It would really help us out a lot. If you have any feedback on the podcast, please feel free to email me at podcast at decodingsuperhuman.com. Superhumans, thank you for listening and have an absolutely epic day.